Hey everyone, and welcome back to another Pads Athlete Development Summit podcast series conversation. Today we're diving back into player branding and name, image, and likeness. Yes, folks, that is a hot topic that we're looking to continue to address. We're fortunate today to have Chris Cutts and Jeff Harris from Open Doors. Institutions all over the United States are clamoring to find solutions that are going to help their student athletes deal with the challenges of managing NIL. Open Doors has been one of the institutions, or I should say, one of the organizations that many of these institutions are turning to. Our hope with this conversation is to better understand the Open Doors model and to really get our arms around how they view the changes that are taking place in the name, image, and likeness industry, the risks and benefits to student athletes and organizations, and how they believe they are situated to provide value to both student athletes, organizations, and businesses. Name, image, and likeness is a complex and just forming area. Our objective here at PADS is to provide different perspectives, both from industry, from academics, from the athlete perspective, and long story short, we're trying to bring all of those different perspectives into our Athlete Development Summit podcast series. We hope you enjoy this perspective. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. The PADS Athlete Development Summit podcast series is extraordinarily fortunate to have Aura Health as a sponsor this year. Founded in 2013, Aura Health is the company behind the health tech wearable, the Aura Ring, which provides actionable insights on sleep and its impact on your overall health. It's used by top performers across a variety of industries, including the NBA, the WNBA, NASCAR, UFC, and more. And in fact, I've got one on my finger, which I had before Aura even thought about sponsoring PADS. I can tell you one thing for sure, it's definitely helped me align my sleep, which was an absolute car wreck. The Aura Ring delivers personalized readiness and activity and sleep insights automatically to the Aura app, providing wearers with practical steps for long-term improvement. I can attest to that. The Aura Ring is not a medical device and is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, monitor, or prevent medical conditions or illnesses. For more information, I'd urge you to check out AuraRing.com. And on behalf of PADS, we thank you for your sponsorship of the PADS Athlete Development Summit podcast series. Hey everybody, Duncan Fletcher here, Executive Director of PADS. I'm here with my colleague, Stephanie Thorburn. How are you doing, Stephanie? Doing great. How are you? Not too bad at all, thanks. Super fortunate here to have Chris Cutts and Jeff Harris from Open Doors. Guys, how are you today? Great. It's going to be better. Us. Awesome. I'm glad you guys are here. Now, what we've been doing with our PADS Athlete Development Summit podcast series is we've been getting you, you know, people we're talking to to talk a little bit about what brought them into the sport environment, what their background is. So you guys are of no no exceptions. We're going to throw it to you. Chris, I'm going to put you on the spot right away. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to Open Doors and maybe how you got an interest and a passion for athletics? Yeah, I think my interest and passion started from just reading books. So back when I was a teenager, I wanted to go to college, of course, and was told you got to read more to get smarter. Uh, I can't speak for the latter, but the former I did. Uh, and basically read several sports books, starting off with Moneyball, very cliche for anyone my age, and just introduced the side of sports outside of playing the game, right? So I played sports, of course, growing up, and then realized uh, my career was not going to follow me into college. And so I just wanted to work in sports from that moment on, right? You went through the whole journey of what that meant, uh, eventually settled in minor league baseball and then college athletics, all centered around the idea of communication, social media, creative services, essentially branding and how it's done today. Uh, from an athlete's perspective. And that led me to Open Doors. Uh, in my role as a ready program director with Open Doors, I oversee our name, image, likeness, education solution, getting athletes ready, getting coaches ready, 
for the NIL era that's, well, soon after uh, this call. And so we want to make sure they play the game right, understand how it's all going to work, uh, because we cannot necessarily get them a deal just like anyone really can unless they're its own journey. But we can understand how the game is played and give them the rules a little bit and some different processes and how to build their brand. So Open Doors has been doing it for nearly a decade, uh, obviously worked on the client side or the customer side, excuse me, uh, and got to know it a lot through that experience and just identified as that's a company I want to work for one day and, and that day's here. Phenomenal. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks a ton, Chris. Jeff, I'm going to put you on the spot, man. Yeah, yeah. For me, a um, little different than Chris. So in in college, I, I worked uh, in the athletic department at the university and uh, helped with like operations. So setting up, tearing down events and um, really, you know, leading up to that sports has always been something I've always been drawn to. Uh, I was a kid, like when I'd be homesick and sports center would always run the same episode every hour, I would watch four straight episodes of the exact same thing. Um, but sports is always a big part of my life. Got to college, knew I wanted to work in sports in some way, even considered like coaching and stuff at some point, but, uh, Interned there. Then after I graduated, interned for a minor league baseball team for a summer. So got to experience the, the minor league life. And then after that, uh, an inter- internship op- opportunity opened up at Open Doors. Um, and when, when I started there, it was six years ago. So we were still very young. And really, our whole focus was, you know, helping professional athletes get more endorsement opportunities on social media. And all that stuff was very new. And, and one thing that we we started to think of was, you know, we can, you know, we can have this marketplace that can help athletes get endorsements, but there is really no way for us to help athletes grow their brands. And that's when towards the end of my internship, we started that part of our business where helping to link up either pro teams with their athletes or college teams with their athletes to get them content, to help them build their brand. So I started as our very first account manager and now I'm a senior account manager here at Open Doors helping our partners utilize our software as best they can. And, and with me, what's nice is I get to work with a very wide variety of, of customers from high schools to very high-end college partners to the PGA Tour and the uh, NBA Players Association. So um, really wide gamut, but it, it's good to be able to bring that experience that I learned at different levels to you know our, our smaller or larger customers there too. So. Um, that's kind of my story. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that, Jeff. And I got to ask you, if you were working for a minor league baseball team, what was the name of that team? Because usually those names are like just out to lunch, right? What, what was your squad? Yeah, there, there's was a, a little more, you know, normal. They're the Omaha Storm Chasers um, over in Omaha, the AAA baseball team. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's not too bad, but that's a good one. Kind of suits the, uh, the locale, right? Oh, yeah. And they definitely played off of it like at the end of the sixth inning, they would have people come down to the field dressed up as a cloud, a lightning bolt, <laughs> raindrop, and have them run from one side of the field to the other. So wow. they played on quite a bit. I'm sure they did. As long as they didn't put you out there in a tornado suit and have people chasing you, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I was able to stay away from that. Yeah, no doubt. You're, I'm not here to run, man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not getting paid enough to do that. Well, I'll tell you what, before we jump into some of the other stuff I want to hit on, I was curious... You know, just for those folks that may not be 100% familiar with Open Doors and what Open Doors does, before we kind of jump in, and in order to kind of frame up the context and your perspective, maybe I could get you guys to talk a little bit about what does Open Doors actually do? And, you know, let's break it down so even I can understand it. So what exactly do you guys do? How does it work? And and how does an athlete and or an organization benefit from utilizing Open Doors? Jeff, you got the veteran on this, so you can go ahead and take that one. Yep. So... 
Uh, Open Doors is an athlete marketing platform that really helps athletes, you know, across the entire gambit from helping them understand their brand, helping them grow their brand, helping them protect it. And then eventually, uh, as coming to the college sports realm here in a few weeks, um, but then also currently at the pro realm, helping them monetize their brand. So we have four different products that our partners purchase. Um, everything for the athletes is free, which is nice. That's always been a focus of ours. They never have to pay for anything. But schools will utilize us for, uh, we have Open Doors Ready, which Chris is the head of, that that's helping athletes uh, educate them on, on their brand, on NIL, on different things there. Uh, and then Open Doors Social is what we offer for, uh, you know, pro teams, universities to utilize to distribute content to their athletes. So they're taking a ton of photos and videos and stuff while the athletes are on campus. And the software makes it really easy to get it into the athlete's hands so they can start to share it on their social feeds. Um, the next one is that, that protect your brand. So Open Doors Monitor is something that uh, compliance departments use to uh, make sure that their athletes are compliant with their um, endorsement opportunities, making sure that, you know, maybe school logos aren't being used and any rules that the schools have aren't being violated. And then that last part is, is the monetized part. So Open Doors Deals is what uh, brands come into. Think of it like Airbnb for athlete endorsements. Athletes have profiles, brands come in or fans come in and uh, book opportunities with with athletes right there and everything's taken care of all in one spot. Chris, anything to add there? No, you nailed it. I, I think if we want to just ask what Open Doors does, right? We help athletes, help every athlete maximize endorsement value from the simple perspective of how do you understand your brand? How do you build your brand? How do you monetize your brand? And, and most importantly, how do you protect your brand? So Jeff nailed it. Beauty. Well, I appreciate you guys providing us that context. And obviously, uh, as we look at what's happening across the NCAA, you have the name, image, and likeness. Uh, there was a ruling just issued, I believe, yesterday uh, that has upended the amateurism construct uh, that is, has sort of been the primary construct which drives the NCAA. From your perspective, and now looking at, I believe there's another ruling everyone's anticipating here in the next few weeks with you know, specifically related to NIL. How are you guys looking at this uh, from the perspective of the student athlete? What are the options? What are the opportunities? And then maybe what are the pitfalls that you guys see coming down the line with respect to name, name image, and likeness changing at the student athlete level? Yeah, I would say the, the options are limitless for college athletes. Um, what I mean by that is obviously college athletes and college students and anyone on college campus is well-versed in social media. And that's naturally where a lot of the influencer type activity takes place. And so athletes already have these followings because their platform as a student athlete in their particular sport, uh, maybe because of the institution they attend. So the options could be in their school's town, their hometown, nationally, regionally, whatever it may be. So that, that's what we want to make sure they understand. Like, hey, you're not limited to your athletic career. Uh, you're actually kind of just open up to this whole new frontier. Um, the opportunities that may lay out there uh, could be a matter of social media opportunities. They can be the non-social media opportunities. And we want athletes to know what those look like, right? So part of the Ready program, part of the education piece that uh, we all work within uh, is getting athletes to see what are the exact examples that they expect maybe from day one, right? In some stage, July 1 is that effective date. 
obviously NCAA is coming through at whatever point. I'm not sure it's going to be July 1 at this point. But at some point, they'll come in with a national solution or they'll maybe wait for a federal uh, solution uh, from the Congress level. But the opportunities, we know what they look like because we've been doing it in the professional space for nearly a decade. Like there's 40,000 plus professional student athletes on the Open Doors platform. So we understand what the professional athletes are doing and we want to share that same information so they can see the opportunities through their own lens. Um, the beauty, the, I believe the beautiful thing about the college athletic space when it comes to NIL, it is in the athlete's hands. It is their path that they'll chart is, is their option to opt in to the whole experience. And so they can craft their brand around being a football player, volleyball player, soccer player, lacrosse player, or they can frame it around being a photographer, graphic designer, someone who's in the food, someone who's in the fashion, fitness, um, whatever it may be, those are the opportunities. The pitfalls is it's on them. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of education they need to understand. They will have to grow up a little bit faster if they really pursue this whole thing. What I mean by that, taxes, LLCs, all these other things that are kind of constructs that protect people as entities or influencers or, or corporations, right? Those are some things they're going to have to learn, right? If you're an influencer or you endorse a product on social media, you don't pay tax. They don't take the taxes from you. You're not an employee. You're an independent contractor in most cases. You got to understand when you get paid $100, 30% general rule of thumb needs to be saved away for taxes. Like there's all that financial side. So that's the pitfalls is they have to grow up really quickly if they choose this as a path. I have some other things that we'll probably discuss later in terms of niches around student athletes. Um, but, you know, the maturation process is going to be sped up for any college student, college athlete very soon. That's really interesting. I think you, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, you're now going to have kids coming out of high school and very quickly you're going to have to make some, some choices. Like you said, they're going to have to opt in and then there are going to be some ramifications for that decision of opting in in terms of how that plays out for them. Um, Jeff, I don't, I don't want to leave you out of that conversation. Anything you want to add to that? No, I, I would just say the big thing is, you know, also just potential pitfall or things for athletes to be aware of is just who they surround themselves with. Like they just need to be um, very careful with, you know, like right now um, there's tons of businesses popping up like crazy that are claiming to, you know, want to help them. But, um, you know, you need to make sure that that is actually the case and it's not something where you may get it taken advantage of, or there may be something that you're not fully aware of when you sign up for something. So just, you know, due diligence and, and understanding really what you're getting into, um, and, you know, taking that time to really educate yourself on these areas so you are prepared if and when something happens. Je Jeff, I, I think that's a great said, observation. Yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Steph. Sorry. No, you just made a great point about educating yourself. And, and for those that are listening in the athlete development space, um, they're usually the ones that are providing the resources, the information, the education. But this is such an uncharted water, you know, a field that no one has walked across. So what do you say to those individuals that are typically in that space of providing the education and the information when they don't have it because this is uncharted waters? Yeah, I'll, I'll let Chris jump into this. But one thing to know, too, is like the endorsement world is new to college sports. It's not new to sports like it's been around. It's something that, you know, people have experienced. Um, but then, Chris, if you want to jump into kind of what we offer with the Ready program and that education piece. Yeah, so the athlete development side already exists. Like we're already teaching life skills at the campus level. That's the profession. 
I like to say the NIL education piece is a Trojan horse for life skills. Like the things you're already teaching around financial literacy because of the cost of attendance stipend or financial aid, it still holds true in terms of managing money. So what we've done with the, the whole ready education solution is we obviously talk about brand building. What is NIL? and What is the NIL playbook? We also have this continuing education piece where we bring in different industry experts uh, where they talk about their specific topic. And what I mean by that is it could be Twitter, right? How to best use Twitter to build your brand. It could be Courtney Ultimus of Team Ultimus who talked about financial literacy and, and understanding how that financial process to a deal works. It could be Luke Fedlum talking about contracts. Like we have these conversations occurring. And because we want to be able to offer that to anyone at a campus level to say, you are not the expert and we may not be the expert in reading contracts, but we want to make sure that you have some general knowledge because an athlete is either going to come to you or expect it in the program that already exists at the academic year to, to help them set up for success. Um, it's, this relates to anyone listening to this, but the athlete is always, the student athlete is always at the center of the whole thing. Our job is to make sure they're set up for success. And however you wanna look at it, we gotta make them the best athlete so they can perform well and obviously may lead to wins or opportunities in their career. We got to make sure they have the right academic support to make sure they're stellar students and, and doing their part around that role. Maybe they really want to be involved in community. What programs are we offering around community service that allow them to be advocates in the space they want? That is exactly what NIL is. It's another piece to add to this development side where you can basically teach life skills through this kind of trendy topic currently and a trendy topic that will exist forever uh, because you know athletes are now interested by this topic. Oh, by the way, they learn how to use social media effectively because that's really the resume may lead to a job, let alone that. I and mean, I think that's a, that's a great point, right? The idea that it's a Trojan horse. I think that's a, it's a great observation is that uh, as individual athletes are coming into this space and they may be involved in business and they may have interests that, you know, far extend beyond their, their educational interests. This may be a way for them to kind of engage it in a meaningful way. From your perspective, when you're looking at putting together this program, what have been the critical elements that you've heard over and over again, either from the student athletes themselves or the organizations that, you're, that have led you to kind of develop the overall uh, model that you have? And I think to that point, how do you think that plays out and what kind of changes do you see coming potentially on the other side of that based on how this initial rollout goes with, your, with, the, you know, with this sort of initial first step into NIL? Yeah, the Ready program, um, you know, has the education piece. And what we've seen is they just want someone to tell us what this is going to look like from the athlete's perspective, from the coach's perspective, from a senior staff or admin's perspective. And so, as I said, we, we've been working in this space a long time. We know what they can expect. And so we, we've seen that's what the session is about. And then the continuing education piece is all about that on-demand experience. Every school wants athletes to be able to have something in their toolkit or a resource they can go to on their own time, right? They're already a student. They're already an athlete. Now I got to be worried about the taking on a, a side job as an NIL person, right? Or using my NIL to earn money. And so if you create this more scheduled programming all the way around NIL beyond, you know, the necessary, an athlete may feel overwhelmed or they may not take part, right? But if you allow them to create this own journey by an on-demand experience, uh, we've seen a big shift there. And the last piece that we want to make sure, and it's always been built in, it was probably stay through it, is the takeaway. Like, what is the tool that you give an athlete to improve? The way we do that is through a social media assessment, and there's a variety of factors that we're measuring, whether it's potentially sensitive language and tweets or social media metrics or how their profile looks beyond being verified. Like, that, that, that lift card is what we call it, 
know, NIL is a life skills thing, right? Or it can be considered a weightlifting program. You're strengthening your brand. Well, what is that lift card that they get so they can daily uh, track their progress? And that's what our social media assessment is. So an athlete can go to it every day. That's not likely. Or they can go to it every month or every so often. So they know they're either making progress and, and seeing things improve in these different areas. An athlete is very much data-driven or measure-driven, right? They need to see progress. And so that's what the assessment's all about. Yeah, um, I'm going to use this formula and I'm going to break it down because it, it sounds overwhelming in some ways, but I'll just use it. The more you post, the more engagement leads to more followers, leads to more value. Okay. More you post doesn't mean athletes should post six times a day. But if you haven't posted in six months, there's a reason why you don't have more engagement, more followers, more value. Okay. So the metric there is be consistent with your posting if this is an experience you want to choose and opt into, right? If you want to build your brand, you have to post and post things about you care, what you care about, whether it's the content shared by the school via open door social or things you create on your own. The engagement is what brands look for when you do deals, right? You can't just post it and get five likes. A brand is going to see lack of an engagement on that. They didn't make use of the dollars they spent. And so they may go somewhere else. And so if you know when to post to get the more engagement, you kind of have a cheat code, if you will, a key to this whole process. That is broken down in the assessment. We measure or we evaluate an athlete's social media performance and say, hey, you post the most currently on Twitter at 9 p.m. on Tuesdays. However, you get the best engagement on 9 a.m. on Thursday mornings. Probably college athletes aren't awake at 9 a.m. on Thursdays, but we'll pretend that, right? So that's when you should post because that leads to followers. And followers is a vanity metric. I don't mean every athlete should have a million followers because brands also think there's value in someone with 5,000 followers, right? Those those micro or nano influencers. And so you're offering that follower account to their brand or product to endorse in front of. And so if you understand, hey, I'm at least progressing and building my follower because I'm now posting when I get more engagements, I'm building towards uh, a bigger uh, bigger opportunity for a brand. And the value, as I said, is, is a little bit complicated because I wanna say it is not just financial value. Yes, when it comes to NL activities, you want good engagement to increase your value. You want good followers to increase your, your value. I also mean it in terms of growing your network. There's a lot of value in the people that follow you. A lot of value in the people you follow that follow you because they stay with you after your athletic career. So if you use your time at, at university level or as a student athlete, you can build your followers and create that network to lead to a job, lead to something you advocate about or care about. Right. So that's that's the kind of metric right? you want to think about is when do I get the most engagements? How does that impact my followers? Are people really caring about with what I do? Am I engaging with their stuff? Because replies matter, likes matter. Uh, and then you'll see process built and, and progress built, excuse me, through the whole process. Um, it's not overnight, but um, that's that's a good thing because you can allow a uh, very approached and well thought out way to do the whole thing. Yeah. And then I would just add in there, too. Like Chris was mentioning with with social media, like even offline endorsement opportunities are going to be tied to social media. So if you are holding a camp, you're going to advertise it on your social accounts that the more people that follow you, that means you're reaching more people to actually come to your camp or your autograph signing. Or if you, you know, into, if you're into fashion and you have a fa fashion line that you're selling, you're going to be selling that on social media like that is the way that you're going to reach people. So uh, social media is going to play a big role in it, even if the opportunities aren't, you know, a Twitter post or an Instagram post, that effort you put in to grow your, your brand, grow your following is going to trickle out to those other opportunities as well.
exactly that's why i go back to that trojan horse thing like i started my career it was coaches saying don't put don't post don't publish don't tweet right it was a negative on social media and then you realize the culture is teenagers and, and young people are always on social media or seem to be always on social media okay and then how do we think about it in an effective way build your brand post things that you care about um because it, it's your resume it's how people are going to hire or fire you potentially one day let alone do an activity so I like to stress that, like, this is just reprogramming your mind and how this is already taught. Uh, we don't mean to be on social media all the time. That's not a healthy experience. Um, but there are times when you can be effective on social media. How do you think sponsors and buyers of, I guess, media in this context, how do you think they're viewing the NIL and the student athlete environment as an opportunity? I, I think uh, there's excitement from every angle. Uh, because it's this untapped market to put their product in front of their followers or put whatever in front of those followers. Um, obviously, there's the headline grabs of nefarious actors in this whole space. There's the car dealerships who are going to be paying $10,000 for an appearance, right? I don't think that market will be as abundant as some people speculate. I have to say, think less about car dealerships and think about teeth whitening companies. And what I mean by that is they're going to exchange products with athletes and, and they're going to post on their channels and either get free product or get a discount code and get sales tied to that. Like there's these upcoming brands who already do that type of marketing. Those are the ones who are going to jump in. Um, there's going to be a race to be the first in every angle, right? There's going to be a brand who wants to do some big deal with every athlete or a brand that wants to do a big ad deal with a few athletes. And so there's going to be a big jump at the beginning and then we're going to see it level off a little bit. And then we're at football season. We'll get natural intrigue around things. So um, there will be excitement for the next 12 months. Uh, but as always, there's a market maturation that will occur. Do you really yeah, think that uh, sponsors are, are looking at athletes, uh, you know, student athletes in particular, as a really powerful mechanism to engage in? You know, they're, obviously, it's a little bit more regional. It, how powerful is that opportunity from your perspective? Jeff, you want to go into yeah, I would the just jump comparison in here. here? Yeah, I, I would just jump in and say, I think the you're correct on the regional side. I think for a lot of schools, you know, they're in college towns, they're in smaller cities. So a lot of the opportunities that athletes are going to get aren't going to be from those national brands. It's going to be from that local coffee shop or from that local restaurant or whatever it is. And the, the thing is from an, a college athlete's perspective, um, they, yes, they probably have smaller followings than pro athletes, but their, their following is passionate. Like they're the majority of the people following them are following them because of that university that they're going to. So these brands, these local companies being able to finally link up, link up with very influential people in their area, um, I think are going to be, you know, very impactful and something that they are, you know, very interested in. Cause that's what we've seen. We, we had a national brand pick a very high-end pro athlete and a low-end, um, like, recent graduate. And one had, you know, two, three, four million followers. The other one only had, like, 5,000. The one with 5,000 generated more business and more link clicks and stuff to their posts because that the people who followed them really cared about them rather than the pro athlete who had – millions and millions of followers, they didn't exactly all reach that demographic that that brand wanted. Now, that's really interesting. And to kind of pull the thread on that a little bit further, what are the implications, you think, from, 
this next cohort of kids that are coming into this new NIL environment, how does that play out at the professional level as these, I mean, obviously we know it's only two to 3% of NCAA players are ever going to migrate to the professional level. I'm just curious from your perspective, how do you see that playing out as these athletes that are coming into this new environment and then are making the jump into professional sport? What do you feel the implications are for their brands? How does that impact those organizations that are going to uh, uh, purchase, you know, sponsorships with them? I'm just curious, how are you guys evaluating that? Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, so I would just say with that, um, the the thing that's super interesting is like the this allows those smaller, you know, those smaller companies to start teaming up with athletes now that you know they could build that relationship to have it carry through if they do decide to go pro, um, and that's kind of that also is a, a relationship that the athlete is obviously comfortable with, so it kind of gets them ready for that professional realm when you know maybe bigger bigger brands start to come calling, but all in all, like, especially on this side with, you know, I'll just keep going with athletes working with smaller companies, it will prepare them very, very well for when they do take that next step, they already know what to expect. And they're not initially getting overwhelmed with like, hey, you know, this giant, you know, soda brand is coming after you and has like all the, this gigantic offer, you're kind of getting your feet wet with these opportunities that are a little smaller. But again, you're more comfortable with it. And you know what to expect. Got it. What I'll add to that is um, brands don't want one-offs. Companies don't want one-off posts. They would like a partnership most often. And so if they find a good athlete to work with at you know, sophomore, junior year, and they go on to be pro, they might have a pretty good situation already created. And so if you think from a partnership standpoint, from an athlete side or a brand side, uh, this only allows those to grow and flourish sooner or obviously find different ones as you go along, but it, it does allow a little more fruitful experience for all sides. Yeah, I would just say that is something that is, it, it's a very common thing that people are bringing up is like NIL, like only male athletes are gonna benefit from this. But actually what we find is that it's actually kind of the opposite. Um, female athletes we have found are, are very in tune with their brand. They're very protective of their brand and they're already very, you know, they're set up for success in this area. And there's so many companies that that fit that fit that female demographic that, you know, you see a lot of people posting on social media about, you know, um, you know, fashion products and things like that. But there are just as many of those companies as there are companies for for men, and there just haven't been as many female influencers in the past that would work to, you know, kind of capitalize on that. And now with it coming to the college ranks, you know female athletes attract a lot, you know, the, the national women's soccer team, those, those, the women on those teams generate a lot of money through endorsements just because of how marketable they are and a lot more than their male counterparts because of that reason. So there, there, that is a very common question and a common concern that, you know, it is, there's going to be a big disparity, but actually what we've seen is that, you know, it may actually lean more a little bit on the, the females coming out, you know, looking pretty well on this. I'll add to that. Uh, Forbes recently put out an article. There's uh, the NAIA space has had NIL in effect already, right? So Forbes came out with an article uh, using some data from Playbook, which is a marketplace already in place, by, founded by a former NA or current NAI athlete. Uh, they basically analyzed 18 deals that have already taken place that they were privy to. 11 were with females, and I believe it was seven males, and then maybe not, maybe been 16 and 11 five. But the majority of deals already at the NAIA. IA level were with females. And it goes back to Jeff's point. Their brand is already kind of established. 
they already have been thinking that way well advanced of male athletes. Uh, you also have to think about where brands want to spend their money. They may find it more effective to market their product to an, a female's athlete's followers. There just might be, uh, you know, the product that they're selling is trying to reach females or reach the followers that they have. So um, I think that process will be quick. And I also believe it will help grow the natural uh, following of female sports. What I use by that is think about the Olympics, right? The Olympic every four years or every two years based winter, summer there's these natural stories that come out and it's usually just either based on performance or going into it. And they, those all draw attention to their sport, right? Simone Biles is amazing for gymnastics and gymnastics is obviously a great sport, but there may be someone who is, you know, skateboarding is going to be at Tokyo Olympics, right? There may be a female skateboarder and it's going to draw more attention to female athletes in that sport that only grows the game. And so what I'm saying is a lot of that activity already takes place once every two years now imagine it every year because college sports is every year goes year round. That's really interesting. Uh, I'll say that they are approaching it from a completely different perspective. Uh, I believe their policy or legislation is going to be rather, it's already short, uh, where the NCAA is going to be a little more aware of um, what could take place and put these guardrails. What they can learn is obviously where the dollars are being spent, uh, how much it is, what sports. And, and the other thing about that article it wasn't just, you know, the high level, high level sports or high um, marketable sports based on anecdotal evidence, right? Football, men's basketball. It was like track and field and cross country and volleyball and soccer. Like it's a gamut of sports. And that's what they can learn. Like this is not going to occur just for the Trevor Lawrence's at Clemson or the Justin Field at Ohio State. It's going to occur. Yeah, I think the NAI model is a little different than what NCAA is going to have because there's less restrictions or less rules at the NAIA level because the NCAA wants to have guardrails. But there is information that they can see that, one, that this will impact every athlete at any sport, right? So that, that article kind of shared the 18 deals or 16 deals, whatever it was, and it wasn't just the high marketable, supposedly, sports that received deals. It wasn't just baseball or football or men's basketball. It was track and field. It was cross country. It was soccer. It was volleyball. There was at least six or seven sports captured in this small data set. That tells you that this is going to impact anyone because it's not tied to the athletic career necessarily. Now, obviously, if you do well in your sports, you have a higher market rate or more opportunities that may be in front of you. But if you build your brand outside of it or not necessarily always tied to your sport or maybe you lean into being the best at that sport or uh, more interesting in that sport or show the right content around that sport, that could be your brand. So I think they can see um, just how many people or how many athletes and variety of sports are impacted. The data, the numbers around the uh, financial side were uh, probably not necessarily an indicator of what's to occur just based on the NAIA level, but it does uh, show the distribution of money uh, from a deals perspective. I think that's kind of interesting. And I'm going to take it in a slightly different direction based on that is, are you guys seeing a are you guys taking a different approach as it relates to looking at your experience dealing with professional athletes? And now you have this sort of transition into the collegiate space. Maybe I could get you guys to just sort of compare and contrast in terms of, hey, this is how we've sort of done it at the pro level. This is now how we're trying to do it at the at the amateur level. And maybe we could just kind of riff on that for a few minutes because I think it's interesting. You guys have that, that longer term horizon uh, or sorry, longer view uh, in terms of what's been going on. And I'd be curious to hear your take on that. Yeah, I'll just jump in and say, first and foremost, with, with Open Doors, like what we offer to pro market is a software that can make things easier, right? Um, in the pro market, obviously, there's a lot of uh, like agents involvement. Um, 
But at the college level, we don't really expect that to be the case. You know, there'll be athletes that are very high end that have agents and, and that's all baked into our workflow. But for the most part, a lot of these athletes are, you know, going to be getting advised by their parents um, or just doing it all themselves. And that's really where with open doors deals that we offer that uh, athletes can opt into is really making that process as easy on the athlete and having it all in one place. So they aren't bouncing around and having to do a lot of different stuff um, because they, they had essentially need to fill that void of what an athlete or an agent would do. Um, and the reason we don't really see agents being involved that much in the college space is just because, you know, for an agent to make say a hundred thousand dollars in a year, they would have to bring athletes over a million dollars worth of endorsements in, to, in order to make that happen. And bringing over a million dollars to a group of athletes, um, you know, with smaller followings is probably going to be tough unless you're man like helping, you know, hundreds and hundreds of athletes at once. So um, that's really the main, you know, one of the big differences that we see between the pro and college space is just that, you know, that agent involvement. Um, and that's why, like I said, with open doors deals in the marketplace that we have, it, it's set up in a way that makes it easy on the athlete. So uh, they can manage all of the stuff that they need to at once. Jeff and Chris, if you can share with us how universities, colleges, athletic directors, coaches can start to use NIL with regards to recruiting, how can it be seen or used as a recruiting tool? Yeah, I would say on the recruiting side, um, it, it's already started. Like schools have been pushing this for at least the past year on um, you know, mainly what they're pointing out is, you know, the size of their fan base, how much, um, a big one is how much money is IMG, um, bringing in for the school in terms of ad revenue, um, from licensing and stuff like that. Cause that's a pretty decent indicator of, uh, the amount of money in that area and how that, you know, could be passed on to the athletes, um, and in terms of like those brands also working with athletes, but really from a, a recruiting perspective, everybody, pretty much every school has something in place. So it's all about differentiating yourself, right? So the thing that we've seen from schools is like Nebraska was the first one in the country to add an IL readiness program, which was our ready program. And then from there, like, I feel like almost every single university has something. So then it's like, the next part is now schools are starting to work with their universities on the, the education and academic side of having classes for athletes or athletes and students at the university to partake in to learn more about brand building and, um, you know, how to monetize your brand in different areas and stuff like that. And, you know, teaming up with the, the graphic design school to, you know, help get content to, to athletes and stuff like that. So I, I think the biggest part moving forward is now everybody has the foundation um, and it's, you know, continuing to grow it and really starting in, a, in less than a week or in just over a week, it's going to be about results. Like right now you can all, you know, you can sell the idea of like, this is what it's going to be like. And in, in over a week, it's going to be, this is what it is. So uh, that's a big thing that like actually performing is going to be huge. So schools need to actually have data to back up what they're saying rather than hypotheticals of what they think is going going to happen. Um, but we envision this to be the, the next arms race. You know, facilities have been the arms race for the past, you know, 10, 20 years. NIL is going to be the next one because it's going to be something athletes really care about it. It's something that, you know, it, they 
are passionate about and will prepare them for the future and the teams that they're going to be looking to, to go to are the ones that are going to be able to support them the best and get them in the right spot. So that's how we've seen, you know, athletic departments recruiting now. Um, and we feel like that's only going to continue more. And, and Chris, anything you want to add to that? No, I'll say just some couple more points that people are using on the recruiting side uh, to add to what Jeff already said. Uh, alumni network, right? And the reason why I say that is that's already that base who is tied into the university. What is the size of that? It may not be necessarily the size of people who attend all games for all sports, but those alums may want to do activities with sport, athletes and sports and whatever it may be because so, they're already engaged. Uh, the other one that we see is everyone's, you know, Big city wants to tap the number of Fortune 500 companies or amount of people in the city. Well, to be honest, Ames, Iowa probably has, a, just like Jeff's example earlier, the millions of followers versus the 5,000 followers. Ames, Iowa might have more engaged fans compared to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's in Nashville, but Iowa State's in Ames. Now, you can speak to some success of some sports make it play there, but you know the things that you're selling – may just matter to the market that you exist in because it's all about, just like social media, the amount of people who are engaged with the university because those are the people that will probably most likely support athletes through NIL activities uh, from the jump. Uh, the other thing that I'll also say about the recruiting side is, and just backing up what Jeff said, there's going to be a lot of coming to head standpoint in terms of you promised me this, where is this? And so if you're a school that has, you know, big flashy things and you're saying every athlete's going to get that deal, right? Every 25 members of that football recruiting class or those six members of the volleyball recruiting class, if they don't get their NIL activity that you essentially promised them, that's going to hurt you. So there's some accountability that will occur. Uh, but like anything in recruiting, you're always selling the hype, the, the, the idea of what could be the potential, why this is the right place for you. And some of the same data points have been used for years or continue to be used just again, framed a different way. I think that, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting you hear about, you know, the use of the NIL and, and the ability to help student athletes in this regard as part of the recruiting process. And it's fascinating because, I mean, at the professional level, pro sports teams, pro organizations, I mean, they're using the same thing to attract those free agents to their team. Hey, we're able to do this. So, again, in a lot of ways, we're talking about the professionalization of, of college athletics. And I think that's cool as long as, like you said, we can educate and prepare these individuals to kind of deal with the responsibilities that come with that. And I think... That's maybe the last point I want to hit on with you guys is, you know, if you were speaking to an individual who's working with a amateur athlete or even a professional or young professional athlete, what are some of the key messages that you'd really want them to take home with them and understand when you're working with an athlete, this is what you need to know about branding. This is what you need to understand. These are the implications. What are some of the things that you really want those folks to be able to communicate to those athletes as key takeaways that are going to impact that that athlete's life today? Well, the first thing I want to say is it only works if you do. And so a coach may be approached by an athlete says, hey, where's my $10,000 in NIL activities? And you basically go back to the athlete and say, have you put in the work to get those opportunities? So it's only going to work if you do is a really important thing because this is on the athlete and their own experience. Uh, the other thing that we share with schools and, and basically how they can uh, be a part of this process is based on three things. Educate, equip and empower the education side, right? Through the athlete development programming, the life skills programming, or coaches just sharing general knowledge, like setting an athlete to understand how the whole process works. 
equipping them, right? What is what is the life skills program that you offer them? What are the things that they're going to learn along the journey around NIL or the things baked in NIL, right? Financial literacy, uh, brand building, whatever it may be. Like, how are you equipping them with the resources and tools? And the empower is like, you can't tell an athlete, yes, go down to that business and get this deal because I talked to them already. But you can empower them by saying, we support your brand and your brand building process. And here's all the things that we equip you with. And here's how they, we're going to educate you. We want you to make that part of experience if that's what you choose. And so if you're kind of, again, a coach through this entire process, as opposed to being an agent, uh, you'll probably have the best success in terms of that relationship you have with the athlete as they go down or may not go down this NIL path. Jeff, anything from you? Last thoughts in terms of takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I would I would echo exactly what Chris said, and he mentioned it earlier in the in the podcast too about you know a part time job like that is what NIL is going to be like setting those expectations for the athletes that like you know we've talked to a lot and we go back to recruiting like coaches sell like possibilities and maybe don't want to jump into the nitty gritty that like you actually have to go earn this like you have to be the one that like if you're gonna go run a camp. You know, you need to be the one that markets it. You need to be the one that pays rent on that facility that you're using. You have to handle all of that yourself. It's not, you know, that all this stuff is just going to be given to you. So, like, there's a lot of effort that's going to be taken on these athletes' side to actually, you know, earn that money that, you know, they've been told that they could potentially make. And I think another thing to, to kind of point out, too, is um, for these athletes to just you know, not be distracted by the shiny object without fully thinking it through. So like if a company comes to you or you have this opportunity that, oh, you may be able to make a quick buck here or there, but it may down the road be something that could potentially be damaging, like protect yourself, protect your brand and, and just take a second to think like, yes, this is in front of me, but is it actually a good opportunity for me long-term? So just to understand that it's not just a, a one day, one week, one year kind of thing like this, your, your brand on social is something that lasts the rest of your life. So don't just chase after that one thing. Cause you think you may get some money and, but it may, you know, end up damaging your, your opportunities in the future. So just being more aware and cognizant of that kind of stuff. And again, just protecting yourself and, and thinking through the opportunities before you just jump into them. Well, I think that's always a good, uh, a good way to approach new things is not necessarily dive into the pool head first, kind of go uh, maybe poke around a little bit before you go uh, full throttle into the deep end, as it were. So with that, I think that was a phenomenal conversation. I'm greatly appreciative of you guys making the time to do that. Stephanie, any last uh, thoughts from you? Thank you guys so much again. Um, we're excited to have had this podcast with you. Thank you for your information and your knowledge for the, the participants that are working in this athlete development space. And with that, we'll say thank you again to uh, Chris Cutts and Jeff Harris from Open Doors. Greatly appreciate your time, gentlemen, and thanks for joining us here on the PADS podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. And more importantly, we greatly appreciate your support of PADS. We'd also like to acknowledge the support of our global partners for their ongoing support of all of our initiatives, including the Athlete Development Podcast Series. Again, be sure to be on the lookout for information regarding live Q&A sessions, and we urge you to continue to dive deep into all of the different podcasts that we're bringing to you over the coming weeks. Again, thanks for your interest and for your support of PADS.